today I'm going to just continue to preach on um, freedom from destruction and uh, just explaining how we see the life of God manifesting in us. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you that we can be here together. Thank you that you love us, you care for us. Thank you for the abundance of joy that you've given us in Jesus and that our foundation doesn't have to be the things you do in our lives, but you, uh, foundation of our joy. Thank you for that, my God. Holy Spirit, when I preach today, I thank you that people will be encouraged by the message of grace, people watching over the internet and all over the world, that they can be impacted by your unconditional love. Thank you for that, my God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Right, so um, I'll be leaving for the United States on the 6th of February. And I'll be, so next Sunday I'll still preach here. Uh, so this is the second last one. So next Sunday I'll see you guys again, hopefully, all of you. And, um, and then Nico will minister and uh, we've got, I've got one or two other guys as well that, um, you know, that might also be here. So I haven't even discussed it with Nico, I'm still discussed with him. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to my trip overseas. I know many people will be impacted. If you guys want to pray about something, my visa, I'm going to, to, to America and Canada. So I applied for the Canadian visa. And um, then you've got 14 working days for the visa maximum, you know, they say, for it to be approved. And we did it in that time. But the agency seems to be made a mistake. And the thing arrived too late so there's a possibility that I might not get that visa, the Canadian visa, but my passport is now with a, at the Canadian embassy, you know, so it must, I cannot fly without a passport. So those things must be sorted out. I've paid all the flights already, so, so um, yeah, so let's, you guys, yeah, let's, we, we're in agreement it will be sorted out. Plus, we're not going to have worship today, the electricity is going to go off any time. They said from 10, they're going to switch it off. So uh, it's not because God doesn't bless us or He's removed His glory or anything when the lights go off and doesn't want to come on. You know, it's, it's just the power went off. It, they warned us. Okay, so uh, yeah, uh, let me ask if we've got some time then. Is there anybody who's got a testimony and would like to testify about something? You know? Now, first, first off, before you, you can think a bit. I was just speaking to Gerald before the service. And uh, if I look at what God has done in his life, you know, and, and uh, where he came from, and uh, where he is today, by God's grace, I just want to cry. Because it's God. You know, God has impacted that brother's life. Uh, I remember when he came here, had so many, many issues, just came out of the U.S., lost his wife, had no money, living with a, you know, at the Salvation Army. And today he's got a business, doing well, you know, happy, helping other people, uh, a giver, just, just the fruit of the Spirit in him, you know. And it came effortless. It came by, by God's doing in his life. And that is such an awesome, awesome testimony to me. And um, if I, I mean, even if I look at Jana here, uh, my, sister, my sister and what she came through and where she is today because of God's grace, you know, and, and, and effortless, effortless. 
You know, sometimes we look at somebody's testimony or his life and we, and we think of the grace message and we preach it and we believe it and we don't see that change right there the day you heard the message. Um, but I found that we inherit the promises of God through faith and patience. So we believe it because it's true and we just continue to believe it and we see that word bearing its fruit in our lives. You know, so um, if I look at my own ministry... Uh, the piece that I, I mean, I, I moved here, four, it was about four years ago. We moved here. And uh, what happened in the ministry, uh, uh, and what happened, forget about growth or anything, just the peace, you know, that's in my life. And uh, in my, uh, uh, Elena and I, and ministry and all those kind of things, the favor that came throughout trying to advertise the ministry, without trying to build a big thing or anything. It was just God, you know, so... Okay, right. Um, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, yesterday or, or yesterday or last Sunday. See how fast a week goes, eh? Yes, you already word, vinegar word, you out, So <laughs> Sunday is yesterday, a week is a day. So um, yeah, last Sunday we spoke about the destruction that comes to our lives be, uh, because of the flesh and how that works. So. If you haven't got that message, make sure you order it, that you can have it. Uh, download last Sunday's message if you're on the web, um, that you can get a foundation. Otherwise, you're going to struggle to understand. What I want to say is, um, and, and, and this is a repeat of, of uh, last time, satisfaction in life is not fa- found in the fruit, uh, in fruit, but in the words spoken about our lives. It is found in the love of God that He has demonstrated towards us you know, dealing with us according to our sins. Fruit, can never, fruit should never be abused um, by being used as a foundation. Now, what I, say, what I meant by that, and, and this is the whole thing, we can never think and we should never base our joy on the fruit that we bear in our life, even if it's God's fruit. Okay? So even if you see God doing a good thing for you, I don't say we cannot be happy when a good thing happens, but that is not the foundation of our joy. We cannot say, uh, because the moment that becomes the foundation, you'll only be happy when a miracle happens in your life. You'll only be happy when you get the job. You'll only be happy when you see a growth. You'll only be happy when you see long-suffering kindness and all those things in your life. That's the only time you'll be happy. But the day you become sad or the day uh, the miracle didn't happen the way you think, then your joy is gone. Because your fruit became the foundation of your joy. Where Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, where He sits at the right hand of the Father, and His relationship with the Father, and uh, uh, where He stands in connection to the Father is my stand, and that's where my joy is. That is forever. You know, so that makes us happy. That is that revelation, and when we see the, dimen- the di- dimensions of that revelation, um, it brings an inner joy that cannot be taken from us. I remember uh, um, years ago, I was always saying, you know, this thing stole my joy. And then, <laughs> then, then when Jesus becomes your joy, and not what Jesus do for you, then you find that nothing can steal your joy anymore. Because they need to steal Jesus, you know. They need to steal God, and He's omnipresent, so where are they going to go with Him? You know, he, he is my joy. What He's done is my joy. 
So I don't sit with a, in a situation where I say, well, you know, if I do good here, or if, if I get invited to preach somewhere, or if I get healed, you know, then I'm... No, I'm a happy person that goes to God with joy in what He's done for me, and maybe I've got a problem with my leg. And I ask Him, Lord, thank You for healing. Or I've got a, a thing with a job. Thank You, Lord, that this can manifest. And when it happens, I'm happy that it happens. Must not the foundation from where I find my joy. Um, otherwise, you're going to have this up and down, up and down life all the time. So when I talk about fruit, when I talk about the manifestation of who God is in your life, um, I'm not uh, uh, using that as a foundation. Because the moment you use it as a foundation, like I said last time, imagine these beautiful watermelons or uh, uh, beautiful uh, apples, and you want to build a building, and in the foundation you first put all this fruit down there, you know, and now you're going to put the building up. You're going to pack the bricks there now. I mean, it's, it's not what it's used for. You don't use fruit for a foundation. Okay, right. Let's go to Hebrews um, 11. Hebrews 11. What we also said last week is that um, we've got access into God's grace through faith. What is God's grace? God's grace is God's influence upon the heart of a human being to manifest who God is in your life. What destroys our lives is uh, a righteousness by works. That destroys your life. It, it destroys, destroys marriages. It destroys everything. Uh, Satan came. He looked at his own ability, the ability of God in his life. He took that ability as the foundation of who he is. God did good things in, in his life before, he, before the fall came. God did good things in Jesus before he went to the desert. When he was in the desert, Satan came to him and said, Look at the ability God has given you to turn a stone into bread Take that ability and define who you are by what God can do through you. The people in, in Corinth had the very same problem. They had the gifts of the Spirit the, um, in, in the form of prophecy and uh, apostleship and, um, you know, the different gifts. And then the one thought that he was better than the other one because he could prophesy. The other one had a gift of, of uh, uh, administration. The other one had, a, had the gift of uh, healings and signs, wonders and miracles and and the power gifts, the people of the power gifts thought they the real thing, you know. And that was a satanic way of thinking because they were defining who they were by what God is doing in them. Abusing fruit, making fruit the foundation of who you are. So even as Christians, even when we see fruit, we don't want the fruit to go to our heads. Let Jesus go to your head. And that's exactly what happened with Satan when he fell. The Bible says that his heart was lifted up. In other words, the, 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 the streams fed him, the Spirit fed him, made him uh, 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 the wonderful being that, he's, that he was. But when his heart was lifted up into, the, into his branches, in other words, into his ability, when his belief was based in his ability, the ability that God gave him, he fell. And that, unfortunately, that is what happens in church. That's what happens in this whole world all the time. We all the time defined by how big the church is, for, for church leaders watching, how big your church is, how many people get healed, how big the crowd is, um, how much money you make, how many houses do you own, how many people are employ, do you employ, um, this whole worldly success system. 
You know, so um, everything is a competition. Uh, uh, even if it's not an organized competition, it's a competition in, in the heart, you know. And, and that, that, that pushes so much performance, it gives birth to something you're not, um, and it kills us. Uh, you know, if I look at, um, you know, the way, the way somebody uh, treats his wife, what he can buy her, what, how he can treat her and whatever, and I look at how I can treat my wife, and maybe this person is a very rich person, and I live under the dimension of, um, you know, the better you treat your wife, the better husband it is financially now, the better husband you are financially now. Then, um, and, and I feel disqualified you know, I'll start to perform. I'll start to do things for her, not because I feel I can, or because I can, I will go into debt, I will do things that is not in line with who I really am, get myself into trouble, you know, and then she will actually become the one that irritates me, because she, when I look at her, I feel pressure. In the meantime, she is not putting any pressure on me. Meantime, she loves me. But I'm putting pressure. It's like with kids these days, you know. Uh, the other day we went to, uh, I mean, my, my son, the youngest one, is just starting to play groot men's cricket now, you know. It's not a mini cricket anymore. It's the real thing. So the first thing he realized is, when you go there and you're not number bat, batsman number one, two, three, or four, there's a chance you're not even going to bat because they don't have a lot of overs, you know. So I hope you understand cricket. But anyway, so... Um, so he didn't bet. So he had to, for the team, show who he is by the fielding. And he did very well. But when he, I mean, when he stands there and he, uh, uh, he wants to, to do something, he's got the bet. I bought him. So he stands there. With, it's a good bet. But his friend has got a 3,000 rand cricket bet. You know, so if he measures who he is by that bet, you know, and I go there and I measure my fatherhood by that law. And you must realize today's teaching is going to be very practical. You know? I'm under a law that says a good father buys his son a 3,000 rand cricket bat. I do have 3,000 rand in the bank to buy a cricket bat like that. But if I believe in that law, you know what's going to happen? Then I feel it's too much money for a cricket bat. So... If I'm under the law, what will the law produce in me? It will produce a, a, a thing of performance. I go and buy the bat. Then I give him the bat. Now I'm going to be overconscious on how he treats that bat. You see how that law just brings death, man. I'm going to be overconscious. How does he treat that thing? Because it was very expensive for me. And I didn't actually want to do it, but the law forced me. Now I'm doing it. So now I do it, okay, oh, he's, okay, he's doing all right. But now I don't want to go to the cricket match again because I'm going to see that thousand rand night tackies that this other rich guy bought his son. So what's happening now is my son's cricket starts to irritate me because it's putting a demand on me. I don't want to go to a match anymore. I'm not enjoying it anymore. I'm putting pressure on him to be the best in the team. And a whole unnatural death is unfolding because of a law. One simple stupid law. And uh, um, I mean you guys can think and people watching, all I'm talking about is grace versus law all the time. But I want to tell you that is what the whole thing is all about. Yes, sir. 
And that is what, if, if we can see the truth and, and how this thing works and how people's lives are destroyed by laws, uh, um, you know, we can absolutely look at our life in the grace of God, like Tini testified, like I testified about uh, um, uh, uh, Gerald and Jana and my own life. You see, just see the absolute peace, you know, that comes without effort. And, and that is what we want to see, a God, a life born from God. I remember there was times when I thought uh, uh, John chapter 1 verse 12 was only about um, born again. As many as believe on Him is given the right to become the sons of God. You know, th- th- that's all I thought. As those who have accepted Christ, God has given them the right to be called a uh, 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 son of God. These are those that believe upon His name. And I only use that verse for the born-again experience. And, um, I mean, if, if it only works for that, then you read it once in your life, or once you receive salvation, it's got no value anymore. But I realized, thank God through grace, that God does not just give us a new way of belief the day you receive Jesus, but every area of your life gets born from the same principle. So, um, a patience is not done by you. It's born from God in you. Uh, 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 friendliness, everything, even financial provision, everything, God gives birth to it on the principle of we make use of the finished work of Jesus to the point that our minds rest in Him and we find God bringing it forth. Anything else we find at the end of the day is a life of destruction. I look at, at Marlene, yeah, you know, she, I mean, she also testified to many of you, she was a whole life a, a performer in the sense of, um, you know, I'm the best at this, I'm the best at that, be it sport, be it you know, studies, whatever, you know, you, you go for the best, that's all that matters, you know. But today, a, a person of peace, you know, not that she will say they run somewhere she's going to be in a competition see if she can win but you know but there's, there's just so much more peace and how she organized you know things for people to come to her house and hear the gospel of grace and everything. it was never I never asked her to do it why did she do it it was born in her by God through the gospel and that's why that will never be an effort it is always a peace. It's like coming to church here. It was born in me by God. It's not an effort to come here and preach here. And the same with, with your life. This is, this is what the gospel does in us. So we accept the good news and we're thankful for what, what Jesus Christ has done. He gives us desires. We make it known to Him. He gives birth to that new life in you. Uh, another example, you get the... the um, the Pharisee went and he prayed. I think it's Matthew 18. He went and he prayed. And then there was a tax collector that went and he prayed at the temple. The Pharisee said, God, now listen to what he prays. God, I thank you. I thank you that I am not like that tax collector. I pray three times a week. I pray every day. I, f- I fast twice a week and I pay my tithe. So what did he do? He thanked God for God giving him the ability to not be like a sinner, but to do all these good things. And then he found, he, he, he founded who he was 
on the ability God gave him by God's doing in his life. So he said, God made me like this, so I'm good because God gave me the ability to pray. I'm good because God gave me the ability to fast twice a week. Listen man, somebody with my uh, body weight, it's very dangerous to fast twice a week. You know, you cannot do it. It's terrible. Anyway, some people are made for it. There's some of you that can have the gift of fasting. You know, so... <laughs> just joking. Now, I'm speaking to people on the web. Nobody here. Okay, so... Um, you know, he's got this ability. He does it, and he finds who he is based on... He even thank God for it. Thank God for it. It's like thanking God for the nice house you live in because now, you know, I can define myself as blessed because of the house. Such a deadly thing. How will the guy in the shack ever be blessed there? But I find people in the shacks very happy. You know, believers. Very happy when they grab a hold of the grace message. So, the tax collector went there. He said... I am just a sinner. What I do cannot define me. I'm just a sinner. But I know you can have mercy on me. So what he said is, I can be something because of who you are. Called upon the mercy of God. Then Jesus said out of that parable that the, 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 the uh, um, tax collector was justified rather than the Pharisee. So in other words... Uh, um, he could really make use of who he was um, in Jesus much more than the Pharisee. And justification, what it talks about, we're going to touch on that today, to be justified from sin means that when you, part, when you partake of what Christ has done, the just thing that's supposed to happen to you because of what Christ has done will happen to you. In other words, sin will lose its power over you dictatorship will lose its power over you. You know, I put a thing on Facebook and I said, you know, the one man came and uh, uh, there was a guy with five talents, two talents and one talent. And the guy with the five multiplied the talents. The one with the two multiplied them. The one with the one came to Jesus or to the Father and said, "Um, I know you're a hard man that reap where you've never sown. And he explained to him, he says, Therefore I was so scared that I, that I didn't want to take a chance with this thing, so I buried it in the ground, and here is your talent. And then he said, You're a wicked servant. If you know that I'm so hard, why didn't you do this and this and this and this? And then he, he chased him away, basically. So what caused that the one with one talent could not bear fruit? It's the mindset that the father is a dictator. That mindset robbed him from the ability to bear fruit. He didn't see God for who he truly was. And then, I I put that on Facebook, then somebody came and wrote a second comment. Said, uh, how can that be? God is definitely a dictator. For he is sovereign. Sovereignty sovereignty doctrine comes from... uh, um, it's a Calvinistic way of belief about God, where they believe that God is sovereign. Meaning, if somebody dies there, God killed him. If somebody gets AIDS, God made the AIDS virus, 
And he's the one that's got a sovereign hand giving aids. We don't know why he does it. He's got a deeper meaning somewhere. You know? That's what they believe. So you now God is a dictator. Now imagine there are people preaching that kind of thing. Other people believing it. Even if it's a watered down way of thinking God is this dictator. You'll struggle to bear fruit. You'll struggle to see the fruit of God. You'll live in fear. God will always be this dictator in your subconscious mind. You will not see the effect of the gospel manifesting in your life with a mindset of God as harsh, difficult to please, sin-conscious, nitpicking God. Okay, Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so the things which are seen were not made by the things which do appear. Now, when I read that, I got a nice revelation. He says, there by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So God's word made the physical things, and that the physical things that are made weren't made by physical things. Now, let me explain that into our life. How does that apply to our life? We understand by faith that the fruit and the victorious life that's in our hearts is made by the unseen. Not by the seen. We see ourselves. We see our ability. Amen? The victorious life is not made by what we can see. We can see a building. We can see a car. We can see a house. Those things can never make you victorious. Even if you possess it, it does not have the ability because the Christian understands that, and this is what faith says, that the, what we see is made by what is not seen. So we look at what we don't see. What don't we see in this physical world? We don't see Jesus. He's, he's, he's in heaven. We believe in Him. When we believe in what is done, that is ended, and we're still going to get more into what is done, that is ended the law system, that is our representative, and many of those things that I always preach here, we find that from this unseen world, He gives birth to a new life. And this is what it says, For by it the elders obtained a good report. The elders didn't have a good report. God gave them a promise. They believed that what God says was true. When they believed it, then that faith formed a life in them. They didn't look at the laws they could see in front of them. They didn't look at the temple. They didn't look at uh, Moses' stuff. They looked at the promise. They believed the promise. They believed God. When they believed God, God brought forth the fruit He promised in them. And that's how they obtained a good report. So with us, a good report is obtained by simply believing in the finished work of Jesus and nothing more. Right. Faith. Faith is a persuasion that comes through hearing the good news. So faith is not something you try to work up. It's something that comes by simply just listening to the finished work of Jesus. Okay. Belief is, um, is when we make use of faith to, to the point that our mind goes to rest. I've, I've handled that many times um, in the church here. Let's go to Romans Chapter 8, I'm going to read something there, and then we're going deeply into Romans 6. Romans 8, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free of the law of sin and death. Now I want to explain that. You know, many times we don't understand that. It says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. 
There's two words that stand, stands opposite one another. Condemnation and justification. Condemnation means, when I'm under the law, I'm condemned unto sin and death. It means that when I believe in, when I believe in the law system, that my flesh will produce in my life and in my family life destruction. When I believe in the law. That is called condemnation. We're not talking about condemnation in the sense of um, God judging us and condemning us. That's not the context because chapter 8 comes from chapter 6 and first chapter 6 and 7 and this is what condemnation is. Condemnation is you, you believe in the law, you sin and you are condemned unto death by the sin you commit. It kills you. It destroys you. But now when we believe in Jesus... We are set free from that principle. That principle doesn't work in our life anymore. We don't work a principle of, we're not under the thing of sin manifests in us all the time. Call sin uh, uh, um, something contrary to who you really are. Manifesting in your life the fruit of the flesh, destroying your life, giving you a mind that feels far from God, condemning you in your mind by guilt, standing guilty. And that word condemnation actually talks about destruction unto death. We are not under the power anymore of being destroyed in this life. We're not under that power anymore. You know, we always believed, when I receive Jesus, I one day am going to heaven. That's true. It's not wrong, it's true. But when we believe in Jesus, what He did was, He ended my guilt, okay, He took that guilt away, when he took the guilt away, or that I, you know, I'm not guilty before God anymore, I qualify for heaven because I'm righteous because of the working of Jesus. But thank God, he, did, he just didn't forgive me. He also removed the principle by which death manifests in my life. Like for instance, when the passport, I don't know if I'm going to get the passport. I'm not stressing, you know, because I've been redeemed from that stress. If I was still under the law, I would think, oh my goodness, if I didn't get the passport, I missed God's voice. And I told people that I'm going to go to Canada. And now I'm not going to Canada anymore. So they're going to think I'm a false prophet. And what's going to happen then is, they're going to lose faith in my ministry. And if they lose faith in my ministry, I will not be invited anymore. And if I'm not invited anymore, I'm not going to get money anymore. You know, you make the whole cycle. You start to stress. But thank God, you know, I'm not under the law. So I find when these things happen, that there's an, I have been, my life was redeemed from destruction. Even if the thing happens to me, because my life is not formed by the scene, what I see, I see I'm not going to have a passport. You know, that's what the normal eye sees. Let's say I eventually see that it doesn't even, I don't get one. I really see, okay, there goes the airplane, I'm in Malmesbury. Okay, let's say I see that. My life is not formed by what I see. Who I am is formed by the resurrected Jesus, you know, and the manifestation of that is formed, uh, the pathway of that into my life is by my persuasion of that truth. I'm persuaded that's the truth. What will I find? I'll find absolute peace. I'll find absolute joy. I will just see things work out all the time. You know, it doesn't matter how I see it here. It comes from another source. It's effortless. Thank you, Lord, for that. Um, you know, and if we can just 
my goodness, just grab that. So we're not condemned anymore. We're not under condemnation. I want you to understand that condemnation, not as an emotion of guilt only. Condemn means, you can include destruction there. Destruction of the flesh. Destruction in the form of anxiety, uh, bitterness, and all those things and its consequences. We've been redeemed from that. Thank God not by willpower. But it's born by belief. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Um, Let's go to Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Now remember what I taught on that. I said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The context there, it talks about sin is, chapter 5 verse 19, which says, um, where sin abounds, uh, uh, God gave the law so that sin might abound. And where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. So, under the law, sin abounds. Now it says, shall we continue in sin? In other words, under the law, where sin abounds. Then this is what he says there. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. The Greek word for forbid there is to cease to exist. In other words, shall these sins continue in our life? Shall we continue under the law and see the sin in our life now that Jesus has come? He says, no, God has ceased that whole system to, ex- to exist. The law system does not exist anymore between us and God. Therefore, the system of um, I'm under a law which manifests sins in my life is not uh, um, active between us and God anymore. God ceased that whole system to exist. Plus, God ceases destruction to manifest in your life to exist by His resurrection power and not your doing. Thank God that I can live in this world and have absolute peace that destruction, I will not be destroyed. And I want to explain this to you. You might say, but Bafti, um, you know, you've got a very, you, you've got a nice house and you've got a nice this and you do this, do whatever. Okay, what if you lose it? I cannot be destroyed by that being lost because that can that's not what forms my life so if i lose it all it means is this happy person will just stay in another place that's what it means because the whole place where i'm defined by those things was removed and unfortunately all over the world uh, uh, and for those of you that watch by the web preachers that watch by the web we've got a system where we try to we try to use the power of God to get the worldly uh, blessings so that we can be defined as blessed by the worldly blessings trying to get the power of God to work Satan's system you cannot do that it's going to destroy your life thank God you know we're happy you know, like I said in the beginning, we see the good things happening in our life. We see provision. We see all these kind of things. But thank God that we're not defined by those things. And Jesus ended that whole system. Listen to what he says here. God forbid, we who died to sin, how shall we live any longer therein? No, are you ignorant that all we who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried Um, We were buried therefore with him through baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we might walk in newness of life or in a new kind of living. 
For we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death. We shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that embodiment of sin or that whole system by which sin and death manifested that might be done away with so that we should no longer be in bondage to sin. Thank you, Jesus. In bondage to sin. What was sin? Sin was to believe in the law. What is in the bondage of sin? Bondage of sin means the bondage that comes by believing in the law. That we might be redeemed from that by the resurrection of Jesus. Now, the Bible says Jesus was raised by the glory of God. Now that's wonderful. So it says we've died with Him. He was raised by the glory of God. How was Jesus raised? I want to touch on that. If you go to Jonah, Jesus also said one sign will be given. As Jonah was three days in the belly of the fish, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Okay? Now if you go and look at Jonah chapter 2 and you look at Jonah's prayer. Now, Take Jesus, take Jonah. Yes, Jonah in the, in the belly of the whale. So we can see by using that what happened in the heart of the earth when Jesus was there. What did Jonah do? He prayed to God in the belly. What, go and look at what he's done. Now, I don't believe you can take it exactly the way it is because Jonah hated people and he didn't want to preach. Jesus did want to. Okay, but when he was there, he reminded himself of how good God is. And then he reminds himself of how good God is, called to God. Then God told the whale to uh, spit him out. And that's what happened. So I do believe, and, and the word glory means a view and an opinion. So Jesus was raised, I believe, by obviously the Holy Spirit. There's another verse that says that. But also Jesus making use of God's view and opinion. M- making use of knowing who God really is and that raised him up so we've got a new kind of a life the kind of life that Jesus has Jesus was raised by the Holy Spirit's power through and this is what I believe acknowledging who God is you know when Jesus went into into hell into death there were many people there not just him and I'm sure when he came there they told him this is speculation I tell you this is the way it is people didn't stand up from there they were bound there. Then he was there. Preach to them that I'm going to be raised. Who of you want to believe in me? Do you think they believed? Not many. <laughs> I think the prophets that prophesied of old, they believed. That's why the Bible says many dead men stood up when Jesus, you know, uh, uh, when he died and everything, and they went, they preached the good news. Where did they get that good news? Jesus preached it to them. And I'm sure there were other people saying, listen, we've been here for a thousand years. You just arrived here. We tried to get out. Now you want to be a big shot trying to get out of this hell. In your dreams, man. We're not getting out of here. He says, listen, in three days I'll be raised. And I'm sure, if you take the book of Nahi, he reminded himself of the glory, the goodness of God, and he was raised by the Holy Spirit's power, not his own power, into immortal human flesh. In the very same way with us. doesn't matter what hell you're in. You know, we are, we've been set free from the law where that hell hole you're in defines you. And in that we can say what God says about my life. I'm innocent. 
I am blessed. God is not fault finding. I'm the righteousness of God. Who He is is who I am. And by, by us thinking, meditating and having a persuasion of who God really is, the Holy Spirit raises us up in that time. To have joy in that time, whatever it would be that you need for then, will be raised up by God's power. It's not your doing. Thank you, Jesus. So, uh, th- this is, um, to me, this is awesome. He says, we need to know that when we were baptized, we were baptized into His death. In other words, you know, unfortunately many of us, I think we must have a baptismal service, baptize everybody. Because, you know, when we were baptized, many times we didn't understand what we were baptized into. We were baptized into His death. What kind of death? A, the, the, the death of the relationship that man had with God or the relationship that man had with eternal life by human willpower. Which included, when we do that, the destruction of our life, the bondage it brings, that we cannot do what we want to do, but that we do what we don't want to do. According to Romans 7. That, 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 That Jesus died that away from us. That's why the Bible says he was slain from the foundation of the world. Not before the foundation of the world. From the foundation of the world. Meaning, the foundation on which his whole world is based is works righteousness. Jesus became a man born under that system. And then when he died, he died mankind away from that system. He was slain from that system. So that when he was raised up as a human being, that the human being was removed from that old system. Glory to God. Amen. You know, I said, uh, you know, there's a verse in the Bible uh, to explain to you peace in a situation. When I was thinking now of the passport, last night I said to Eliana, let us just agree, and uh, we just prayed to the Father, and this is the wonderful thing. I went, I said, God, I know you know this, but I want to say it to you for my peace. Okay? Because He knows. So I tell my father, and this is what the Bible says, make your request known to God, you know, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. Now listen, if I made known to some boomerang on the street that my passport's gone, or I don't know if I'm going to get it, you know what, I wouldn't have had peace. Because he cannot do anything about it. And if I made my request known to the head of the embassy, you know, I'll still stress. Because I mocked out for nonsense with. But I've now made it known to God that loves me and that's for me and for people. I've made it known to Him. So who you make it known to, if you know who He is and you know He's for you, will give you a peace that guards your mind and your heart. You know, so my mind's guarded, my heart's guarded, I've made it known to God. If I get it, if I don't get it, doesn't matter. You know, I've made known to God, there's a protection inside my heart because of Him. You know, so thank you Jesus for that. We were buried with Him that we might walk in the newness of life. For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, the 
Why? That the embodiment of sin might be done away, that we should no longer be in bondage to sin anymore. Hallelujah. You know, under the law you try to get free from sin. Under grace you're born free from. Easy. If you can just believe it. If you can believe, it's so true. We are discovering who we are. We are discovering who we are. We are discovering the, the new person that, I've got, that I got born into. I first believed. But now, after we've believed, we see we got grace unto being saved one day. But now we see the multiplication of this grace according to Second Peter. Where we see grace is applied in my business. Grace is applied in my relationships. Grace is applied in every area of my life. It's even applied in the area where... I want to get rid of things that I don't want to do. Hallelujah. Listen man, you've tried for 20 years now to get rid of anger. With willpower. I think you must come to the conclusion now that you're not going to be free. If you continue to do the same thing. Einstein said, do the same... uh, 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 Insanity is to do the same thing over and over, expecting different results. That was Einstein. A clever guy. They do the same thing over and over and over and you expect different results. In other words, you use that willpower again and again and again to get free from fear that you're not going to have next week. You know what? You're going to continue to fear. And you're going to try it again and again. It's time that you realize that the embodiment, the place, the, 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 like the board is the best way to say it. You know you get the, the school body, the governing body of a school. In the same way you get the body of sin, which is all these... Uh, I imagine all these people with their many laws sitting around this thing and that's the body of the embodiment the place where sin finds its origin which decided you know in you we've been set free from that body we don't have that body anymore there's an like there was a new South Africa there's a new way new rules and this new rule is very simple you persuade of the fullness of Jesus and what is done for you he lives his victorious life that he stood up into in your life. And that's how we are raised up in a new kind of living. Thank you, Jesus. To us it sounds like old news, but to many it's brand new. For the death that we died, he died unto sin once. But the life that he lives, he lives unto God. Um, I've made a note here. Even so reckon ye yourselves to be dead unto sin and alive unto God. Hallelujah. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith, this is Ephesians 1 verse 15, in our Lord Jesus, and love to the saints, I cease not to give thanks to you, making mention of you in my prayers, that God, the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of, listen to this, wisdom, revelation, and knowledge of Him. That the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened. So what he's actually praying is, I pray that you may understand what Jesus has done. Why? Because when you understand this, that you may know what is the hope of your calling, what's the riches of His glory in His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power. What he's saying there, I pray that you can understand the dimensions of the finished work of Jesus. So that you can experience by belief and understanding what He has inherited in you. Remember, Jesus received an inheritance. That inheritance is in you. 
You were part of His inheritance. That you can understand what He inherited in His resurrection. And when, he, and when you can understand that, you will find the power of God's resurrection. Resurrecting who He is in your life. Free from effort. It's not something we strive for. We're not making this... The, the, this, this, this manifestation, and I want to get you back to the, um, to the foundation, the first things I've said here. Yes, it's true. When we believe in the resurrection power of Jesus, when we see the dimensions of His kingdom, we will see fruit in our life. We will see Him raising us up into the newness of life. But remember, you cannot put that as a foundation. So we are not at a place where we hunger for it every day. Paul didn't say they hunger for righteousness. He said, listen, may your eyes be opened that you can see what Christ has done and that will bring forth the reality in your life manifesting by God's resurrection power. You know, I've preached it now for the last uh, couple of years but I just feel the Holy Spirit is laying more and more emphasis in my life to minister on, to think on, to ponder on fruit being born by God you know even even when I go, go to the US now that, that's what I want to emphasize on fruit that is not by willpower but that is born because the fake thing hurts people you can go you can go to churches where fruit is faked listen you can see it you can smell it it's just not normal to smile the way some of those people smile it's plastic yeah you know, the, the, the way they welcome, you know, it's like you only greet people that way at a church. Nowhere else. Isn't it? It's, 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 it's weird. You just feel something's not right. Uh, um, and look at, we can look at our lives, people watching by the way, we can look at our lives at how we got hurt in systems like that. Where f- fruit is uh, um, manufactured by human willpower. Where friendliness is uh, something that you must do at the door of the church to greet the person so that he might feel welcome, so that the members can be more in the church, so that the pastor can feel, I've reached more people and I'm a success. Where the person coming to your church becomes the fruit you use as a foundation, building the whole building on top of this guy, and he doesn't know why he's got so much pressure on him. And that's why Jesus said to people that were believers, you know, the Pharisees, he says, Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's what it says in the Greek it says, Come to me, all you that work very hard and overburdened with the practicalities of religion. You come to me, I will give you rest. Because people, and even today, people are abused and used as building blocks to build empires for people with low self-worth. That is what happens. You know, instead of being established in God's view and opinion of who we really are. Glory to God. I want to end off with this. You know, uh, one of the things I, I want to minister on now when I go over to the U.S., when it comes to finances is, you know, as leaders, and we can take this to our own life, we get, um, we use need, we use need as a platform for revelation. 
Like for instance, we need to pay our bills, you know, in the church. So now, from a need to pay the bill, as the dictator from where we're going to seek a revelation in the Bible now, we're studying the scriptures because as leaders, people know, especially, I'm speaking especially to leaders watching via the web now, um, we know that the way we get our finances is through the people in the church. That's how you get the money. Okay, so now these people here, they don't give so much money anymore. Or uh, I've got a new vision, so I need more money. So now I, I want to get a revelation on how to get more money, but I know the way in which it comes. So obviously the money must come from them. So I must now get a revelation that's going to get these people to do more. Be it commitment, be it bringing people to church in evangelism, be it whatever. Okay? Now we get this revelation. We read from with that thing as, as, as the, the glasses on. So we see everything they must do. And then we preach it to them. And then we're upset because they leave. <laughs> they will leave. Buy a brick. Yeah, buy, buy a brick. We'll engrave your name on it. It's under the ground. There, that, that's the way it is. I'm not against building a building. I'm not against uh, uh, having a large church at all. All I say is, not at the expense of people. Not at the expense of the gospel. It can be there because of the gospel but not at the expense of the gospel. We want to see that freedom. Hallelujah. I mean, even with us, more and more people coming here, we're going to run into a thing where we're going to sit everybody. Okay? We might get another place. It will cost more money. But it's not going to be, at the, at the, uh, 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 be a manipulation. Control. It must be a freedom in people's hearts. And if it's not there, then we stay here. Glory to God. Then you guys must make a commitment to come only once a month. So that other people can get a chance. You know, whatever. You know, so... Uh, but So, yeah, remember this. God loves you. Let me just make sure maybe this is a nice verse. I've only ended once. That's not right. Yeah, you can. That's how we end off. This brought back memories. Something terrible to me. What we preached on now and... Gerald can be uh, a witness to that. I was in the assemblies. I was the the archon, they called, and I was then um, elder in that. And I cut a long story short. Rainer Bonke came to town. He just lost his tent and blew away. And he came back and he went to Goodwood in the hall there. And we were helping him. And he was on the stage and I was at the bottom and we were praying for the sick. And... uh, he was praying and the people were falling over, you know, the normal thing. And the woman came up towards me with a child and she said, Menia, my daughter is uh, deaf. deaf. So I thought, gee whiz, I'm not praying for this lot. You know, this, is, this is serious stuff. So I turned around and Rainer Bonko was standing there and I spoke to him in German and I said, uh, I think you must pray for her. And she's actually born deaf. And he got so angry with me, and he said, you pray, I'm, I'm not God. So I turned around, because now I was in a spot. I had to do something. And as I turned around, I laid my hand on it like one does, you know, to get the proper results. And I didn't, I didn't say a word, and this girl started screaming. 
Mm. Well, she was frightened. She could hear. Oh. And she heard. Thank you, Jesus. And I now I was turning around, of course, I was the I knew now that God has chosen me to be the great healer. <laughs> I walked around, that's it. That, uh, that was on a Saturday. <laughs> that was on a Saturday. That, that defined by the fruit. Yeah. That Sunday at the assembly in Seapoint, two weeks later there was a prayer for healing. And people came forth, but they didn't come to me. They went to others. And I thought, hang on, how can they even go to somebody else? And I, I, I said, I must have done something wrong. You know, God's, God's taking his favor from me. I'm just going to cut this very short. And this put me into a spin second to none. Because then I didn't pray. I still prayed, but it wasn't from the heart anymore. It was, it was like a fear or something. And nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nobody was, even the headache wouldn't go. You know? And I went back and I looked at my life and I said, oh gosh, yes, you know, I still got a bottle of brandy there somewhere <laughs> hidden, so I got rid of that. And then I, when I was in South America, I bought one of these Inca things. So that was wrong. So that was thrown away. And, but nothing changed. And I only realized now that what a curse the law really is. What an absolute, it robs you. And it, I, I was robbed because of my own stupidity by the law. Because I actually thought there was a choosing and there was, you know, a special thing. You know, it, you know that's all I want to say. And it, it took years and years and it actually affected my whole walk with God in a, in, in a, in a tremendous way. Because it was just fear. There was no more love. It was just fear. Fear, fear of doing something wrong. Um, you know, he drove past somebody and he actually used a swear word at him because he nearly killed you. You know, oh my gosh, you have blown it again. Yeah. You know, now it's got to start right from beginning again. And it played havoc, an absolute havoc. And this, what Bertie's preaching is freedom. It is such freedom. It's, it's just, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Good testimony, isn't it? We'll put it on the web, my brother. Now you're the boyki again. <laughs> Any signatures? Just afterwards, you'll be here for fun. Then I can sign on the CDs and you as well, just to make sure. Amen. Thank you so much, guys. I love you. I see the electricity. Listen, this is a sign. This is a sign. The anointing. Yeah, yeah. The anointing kept it going. So I'm sure you can have some coffee afterwards. Really love you guys. Um, Those of you that want to give, there's the box in the back. God bless you guys. If anybody needs prayer, I'll pray for you.